Welcome to the Mary's Mentors Podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Uh, I'm Mary Rose. And I'm Mary Letitia. So, Miss Mary Letitia, what is our podcast about? So, our podcast is about us, um, our coaching business. And today we're going to talk about one of our very favorite topics uh, human design. <laughs> I can't wait. So, um, at the beginning of our podcast, we like to kind of talk a little bit about things that we've been particularly in love with. So before we get started, is there anything that you've been listening to or reading or watching this week, Mary, that you want to share that you're loving? Well, I am a, I'm a true crime fan and I've really been up on my true crime. So if anybody doesn't listen to Sinisterhood, um, or my favorite murder, you're missing out. Um, But as far as other motivational stuff, um, I love, I love armchair expert. He always has great uh, guests on. And this week, I really feel like a mindset mentor kind of got me set up for my week. I really liked his one that you recommended. I finally got to finish listening to it. And that was the motivation sucks one. That that was so good. I will also mention that one because it's so good. That was from, uh, January 20th, 2021. And it called, it was called motivation sucks. So mindset mentor, go find it, listen to it. It's fantastic. I really like his podcast too. I like that it's about 20 minutes or less and that he really does give you again, a lot of analogies. We, we both love analogies. Um, so I just finished I'm a very, very fast reader and I have been finding that there have been some really good book series um, that in the last few years I've read and reread and reread like a complete freak. Um, But most recently uh, I read the Truly Devious series and it's like young adult and they actually do also shout out Murderinos in book two. Her acknowledgement at the beginning is to her Murderinos and she mentions the podcast in that. Um, it's such a good mystery series. Like I really love the mystery because there's a modern mystery as well as one that's like back from the 30s. The setting is insane. It's just, it's so good. I can't, I can't really get enough of it. So I actually bought all of the books Um two of them are paper and one of them is digital. And I just like voraciously over yesterday finished that last book. I just could not stop. I wanted to get it. I wanted to, I I remembered what happened, but I didn't remember all the details. So it was fun to to go back and reread it. I love rereading books because of that. Like, like I remember a little bit, but I need to experience it again. So yes, I find that fiction books that do that, like I want to talk about them all the time. So Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. It's fantastic. So, um, all right. You want to, should we dive in? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. So I don't have any established, uh, information. We didn't write paragraphs of information about human design. We thought we'd kind of make it a little bit more conversational. So I'll ask some questions first and just see, you know, just based on kind of the information that we put together, what Mary Letitia knows about human design. So can you give me just a brief, what is human design? Well, um, it's a logical system that brings together principles of the Ching. Ching. I think, oh, okay. I knew I'd say that wrong. Astrology. 
Okay. Hindu Brahmin chakra system. Thank you. <laughs> and this is why I can't really explain it to anyone who asks me when I'm talking. I about know. It. Like, I know. It, it, I'm and like, there's a lot of woo woo in here. I think that's what's so funny is like it, it but then like the last thing is quantum physics. So yeah. like you take, you take a little bit of this and you take a little bit of that and you like mash it all together. And then it's what we call human design. Um, and one person, I guess, came up with all of this, which makes me, that is where, and Mary's radar, because she's a true crime fan, her cult radar would be going like way, way off for this guy. But um, honestly, a lot of people now have put together so many resources about human design that it's, I feel like it's a lot more legitimate because it could look very culty to begin with. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's funny because Josh finally started collecting information for me so I could do a few more human design readings. And um, he, he tells his mom, she's just doing a study on where and when people are born. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's because like, he, I haven't been able to really articulate to him because I haven't been able to do his. Um, so I just thought that was really funny. And, and I think that I mean, I really wanted to compare it to astrology to begin with. And I feel I, like, yeah. and I feel it's, like astrology is a little too woo woo for a lot of people, but I do really love astrology. So I do love the interconnection, but it is totally different. And I don't want anybody to confuse the two. Right. In any I watched Penn and Teller's breakdown of how astrology is just a bunch of generalities grouped into like 12. But then like when you know what you are and you know, like you're really supposed to be looking at your rising sign, not your sun sign, like your rising sign is really like all of that. But it really like that is, and that was going to be one of the questions is how is it different from astrology? So we're just like attacking that already is like, I feel like astrology is just like when we pile those generalities into 12 different piles, it's just telling you who, how you are or explaining how you are to you. It doesn't really tell you how you can be. So a lot of people like reduce themselves down to like the base components of, well, I'm just an asshole because I'm a Capricorn. Like my, I'm signaling next door to my daughter because she is a Capricorn. And I think she thinks that she can, that what she knows about astrology could justify her being an asshole because she's a Capricorn. No, you're just an asshole. We're all, <laughs> every single one of them has asshole in that, in their pile. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that human design, like what they've taken with the chakras is like, they're talking about energy and that's where we get so much less about it feels less woo woo because of how we we've really changed how we interpret energy and how we see it. And you are very in tune with different energies. I don't know if I, I quite am, but as I've figured out that I have like a whole electrical system inside my body that lights up at different times and that I can pay attention to that. That's what it feels like human design kind of is, is like you kind of get a little bit of a, like, map to yourself and, and moving forward. I put down in my little description that it's kind of like an instruction guide, an operating manual that includes the instructions on how to navigate decision-making from within. Like I wrote all of that because it's true. And then I think visually, I think of like 
if you had like a little light system inside you, like what lights up, what happens inside of you when things are happening in your life? And I feel like from the time we're very small, somebody's trying to suppress how we feel in that way. Like I've always really listened to my body and my instincts on a level that people are like, whoa, like, and I feel like, I feel like that, I don't know about you, but I feel like as a society, people aren't told to listen to their gut. They're not told to listen to their instincts or what lights them up or what makes them, you know, feel that way. I think that we are told societally how to feel about certain subjects and certain things and certain people. And, and we don't listen to those things that light us up or that make us feel really bad. Yeah, one thing we didn't really even discuss in our notes about human design, Mary, is that the conditioning comes into play because no one not understanding our own light system inside of us. No one, you you know, we're always wanting each other to be similar. We're always wanting our, you know, our experiences somewhat to be similar. It's just, it's the conditioning piece is super important to know about when you're talking about human design, because if you wonder why someone would find it difficult to understand or start like understanding or living towards alignment with human design, it's because of conditioning. Like that is really what has happened. So um, the question is who can benefit from human design? So you answer and then I can answer. (laughs) Well, I think anyone can benefit from human design. Um, But I mean, you have to have an interest in, you know, doing a little bit of research because it is a little overwhelming at first, in my opinion, Um, especially kind of diving in and not really knowing what I was doing. But um, you can find all these free resources online. And I think that that's the fun part too. There's multiple free tests. um, And then the resources out there, like Mary Rose was saying earlier, like there's so many people have put out articles and blogs about human design and how it's affected them personally. And um, I think that that's really, really informative. It's been amazing because like the power of the internet is that we can find so many interpretations of information. And I will tell you, um, so the two places that you can go and get your human design chart. So if you're wondering how you can learn more about human design about yourself, is you can go to Jovian Archive. There's a place to put that in. You do need your birth, your birthplace, your birthday, and your birth time. So you will need to get the time that you're born. So hopefully you can get that information and then pop that in and it will give you some information. So, you know, not to overwhelm you, but I mean, there's three big things that like from the get-go you can start looking at that will really start giving you, a, because you're going to see some wild ass stuff let me tell you like when you see the graph which Mary Letitia I was just looking at ours mm-hmm. both you and I even though we are different types um we have both the t- the top two chakras are both defined on us which is why our light system when we are together and we are using both our um our head sh- our head and then the I think it's Anya which is yeah the center the Anya that those centers on both of us are defined and so 
so much of our chart, even though we are different types, we actually have some similarities. So I was just popping back and forth between your chart and my chart to look to see what was similar versus what was different. We know how we're different. We want to know how mm -hmm. we're similar and why we get so lit up when we sit down and have ideas and discussions. Um, so Jovian Archive and mybodygraph.com. So they are free. You can get your body graph information focusing specifically on the strategy um, or type strategy and authority is kind of how they roll it out. So type um, and then the type is what determines the strategy. So each type has their own strategy. And then there's several different authority types, but the body graph will tell you which one you are. And those are the three, the, like the three most important things to start with. So um, we each kind of had a little bit of research for um, the different, for, for different types. So um, the five different types uh, in, within human design are generator, manifester, manifesting generator, projector, and reflector. So what did you find out in your research about the different types? Well, um, I really focused on the reflector and the manifester. And it turns out that reflectors are 1%. That's 1% of the population. And honestly, if I would have gotten to read through these before I took this and put my information in, I would have called myself a reflector because I feel so much of the reflectors um, information, but I actually found that connection and I'll talk about that later. But uh, ref um, I, I got most of my information. I, I went to three different places and all of this information I felt was just really good. So I have a, an overwhelming amount of notes, but um, goop.com. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> did a really great article um, on mindfulness, human design, and it's uh, were we coded at birth. And I feel like that's it's a really interesting way to look at it as well. Mm -hmm. um, the other article that I used was humandesigncollective.com and it's um, sig type signature, uh, the life we deserve. And then I also read a really great uh, blog um, from medium.com at Ling Wong and she's a reflector. And so she had um, some really great perspectives. So she's actually where I want to start because um, reflectors are, are, like I said, 1%. So you don't run into them very often. And when you do, um, according to human design specialists, reflectors are here to move humanity forward. Um, we've, we have the capability to see and feel everything, everything as they are, because we don't have any definition in our energy centers. We're super empaths because we can't, we can take in others, energy, understand experience and amplify it without mucking up our own, which oh. is weird. So that's where I definitely veer from being a reflector because I definitely muck my muck up my own so uh the last quote i'm going to quote from uh at lee wong's blog post here is until someone decides to put me on a purple pillow feed me good wine and dark chocolate all day i still have to brave the real world and bathe in other people's thoughts and energies mm. and i'm and i'm screwed if i'm in the wrong suit 
And that really resonated with me because like they're pulling in everything. So they're taking in everybody's energies, everybody's thoughts and um, around the wrong energy that can really, that can really screw with everything else that's going on. So I just thought that that was really interesting interesting as um a reflector and coming directly from somebody who lives with it she went on and i'm just going to kind of paraphrase she went on to talk about living with a generator and two manifesting generators in her house Uh and how she literally has to go escape like she has to go escape because their energies are so much different Oh, I can wait. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. And I'll have more to talk about when we, when we get to my type because of the energy, the energy um, shift. It's totally, it's, you don't necessarily even know that these things are happening and you wonder your whole life why you feel exhausted in mm-hmm. around people and I think around it, different people too. Yes. Like certain people, certain people like energize you and certain people (laughs) deplete you Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's one of the things that I've always known like you said I I've always felt energy from the time I was a very small child so I could always like it's one of my senses as far as good people and other people and when I was I don't know in high school I I I didn't coin the term, but I started using the term energy vampires mm-hmm. because even in high school, by that time, like I could tell who I could and couldn't spend time with because of the amount of energy they would take from me and how much my recovery time would be afterwards. And I mean, I wasn't articulating it like this in high school, but I was definitely practicing it. Um, well, and I think that we take for granted that the, while all of this human design stuff is super helpful, like there are still going to be inherent things to each of us that are going to make us. So there could even be like that, that ability to say like, there may be that reflector aspect in a lot more people, but, the, but no one's like really going to be a true reflector unless all of their centers are open, but that basically they may be the combination of different centers that are open in you might actually be something that kind of gives you some of those traits or properties. Cause I do feel like there are people that are super empathic. And then there are people like me who don't necessarily pick up that. Like I, I don't necessarily feel like I've been exhausted, but then again, when I go places and do things and I love the energy, but I'm also at the end of the day, like crash and I sleep really good. That's a big piece of it too. Is like, I replenish so much of what I need with sleep. And so that's a big piece. So the, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I really, I've got this thought on the tip of my tongue and I really can't uh, stop it. So what I found is that really I, I am, I've got a little bit of similarity with the reflector, but ultimately by reading my own information and doing some research on myself, this, I'm picking up a little energy, but what I really pick up off of people is emotion. And so, and that really totally aligns with who I am and my type mm. and strategy. Um, so that's, that was what I found was the difference is they're picking up on people's actual thoughts and true energy. And I can yeah. feel some of that energy, but what I really feel are people's emotions. And now that I've read that, I can Ooh. reflect back and go, holy cow, that makes way more sense. That makes so, total sense. Um, like that is a huge, like aha click moment that yep. totally makes sense. Um, 
So we've talked a lot about reflectors for 1%. So what's the next one that you were going so to do? The next one that I worked on was manifestors and only 9% of the population are manifestors. Um, we don't know as much about these types, admittedly, because we don't know as many people with them. So that's why we had correct. to reach them because we, we know a lot of generators or manifesting generators or projectors, but some yeah. of these unicorns, it's harder to pin them down. Absolutely. So manifestors, 9% of the population, and they are natural initiators. Uh, their strategy is to inform those around them of their decisions before they take action. Manifestors have powerful impact. Uh, their close, their closed and repelling aura, aura. aura, aura <laughs> can make others feel off balance and want to control the manifestor. When a manifestor shares with others, this naturally relaxes those around them and removes energetic resistance, allowing them to initiate in peace. Manifestors can be initiating catalysts for the other types too. When they are moving through life without informing others, manifestors can end up feeling angry as a result of the resistance that they experience. And that that's from the Goop um, article, which was really fabulous. I literally read it word for word because I couldn't change anything. It was too good. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that that really brought a lot of... Uh, information around them because they they want to initiate but they're always being suppressed is really what i felt about about that um the other one that i really liked uh was from the basics and i don't think i mentioned this one but there is one that's called humandesign.net basic concepts and i really liked this article as well and um where did it go Manifestors are designed to push people out of the way. We repel other people emotionally as well as physically. Although essential to our design, this tends to distance us from other people. It's common for manifestors to experience profound feelings of loneliness. Mm -hmm. So on the surface, manifestors are the most desirable class to be. We're the only class that is self-contained. We need nobody. We're also the only class that can initiate action. Every other class has to wait. And I yeah. thought that was interesting because there are waiting. So that's the one thing I forgot to say about reflectors. They're supposed to wait 28 days, the full yeah. cycle to make major decisions. Like I thought my wave was hard to wait through. Yeah. <laughs> But I thought this was also interesting. Historically, the world was run by manifestors. Um, they were pharaohs of ancient Egypt, for example, having the tendency to be rulers. Manifestors have really set the stage for how people should live their lives. Awesome. So, we know yeah. one manifestor that we've recently, well, I, I actually kind of know two, but I don't really know one of them very well. So, but she, but both, it, what's interesting is I can get, tell you the correlations between both. They're both creatives. One is in like art and one is in, as you know, um, graphic design and um, making of things like stickers and swag and things like that. So when we met with our manifestor friend recently, it was really, really interesting to be able to talk about um, how they are very different, but that when, when this is what we really want for people to understand about human design is that 
this might in some ways explain some of the things that you've always wondered, like why in the case of this person, why they might be that extreme loneliness person and being at least saying, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe this isn't as a punishment. It's not because I'm bad. It's not because people don't love me. It's really just because I, you know, I need things from other people, but maybe, maybe I can look within for more of what I thought I needed from others that made me feel loneliness, et cetera. So going upwards into now I get to talk a little bit about the last three ish types. It's really two, but we'll, we'll call it three, um, is projectors and then, um, manifesting generators. And then we, Mary and I will both talk about generators. Um, but projectors, which is what I am, make up about 20% of the population. Some of the information I've found, which I didn't cite this because it's something I'm just remembering from my memory, was that projectors really weren't in existence prior to, let's call it like the 1790s, that that was really about the, the time that projectors started um, coming into into play in the in the universe and that um, their strategy is to wait and to wait for recognition and wait for the invitation. Um, and this for me, so I just started discovering human design back in like November of 2019 and it's now January of 2021 and it's taken this long. Um, but I will say that like, I think that I've really started let's just say living the experiment that is human design for about the last year and finding out that I was a projector was almost like finding out I was adopted. You, you guys, it was so wild because um, when we talked about conditioning earlier, so much of my life has been me living with generators or manifesting generators and not knowing why I felt like I was the lazy one all the time, like why I needed more rest or needed to, to just be left alone more. And so when I found out I was a projector, I was like, I didn't even know how special it was. I had no idea how special it was. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to be invited. Duh. That totally makes sense as to why I'm not successful in things like MLM businesses where I have to cold message a bunch of people because I need to ask, I need to basically get people to invite me. And that has been, and, and that's the same in my life is like when I stopped initiating so much with so many people, because I was a bit of a party girl and, and very social and doing that. And luckily pandemic also helped, but like when I stopped trying to, to do so much of the, the engaging or initiating invitations to other people. And I started sitting with myself. I got really peaceful, like really, really peaceful, really quickly. And then I just waited for things to come to me. And it was really cool. So anyways, the goop article talks about this, but I just wanted to share my experiences. Like we have a very penetrating aura. And so that's where if our, if our, specific kind of self or energy, if it's not invited in, we can be too penetrating. We can be too invasive. And some people don't like that. They don't like being peered into deeply so that we can see like, we see all the potential in everyone. And that's what's so hard about being a projector 
is that because we are a guide, it is so difficult um, to see people and not want to like guide them to the right, the right outcome. So because we have such a penetrating aura um, or the, the, our openness, I guess, leaves us vulnerable to conditioning. Like I said, I lived with generators my whole life. So I was basically always thinking that I was super lazy because I did not feel the same drive to be able to do things. Um, and if we're focusing on the wrong people that haven't recognized us, we get super worn out and super bitter. So bitterness is our trait when we're not being recognized or invited. And so bitterness is everyone has like their, their thing that, that they tend towards. So manifestors, it's anger when they, when they're not um, informing, they get angry with people and for projectors, we get bitter and, oh, this was an aha moment for me because I've always felt like I was a bitter little bitch about things. And now I'm like, Oh, no wonder this is why I've always felt this way. And, um, so we really have to be very like aware of where we're going to put our energy and we save our energy a lot. Like it's okay to rest. And when I started resting more is when things really started like moving think of it kind of like letting your body digest and letting the universe do the things that it's supposed to do we don't have to constantly be um trying to make things happen as projectors and in a world of hustle that feels really weird it feels really weird um so projectors are about 20% of the population. Um, generators and manifesting generators are kind of like all combined into one big group and they're about 70% of the population. Um, and they're the life force of the planet. So when I said I was raised with generators, that's because they, there are so many of them and so many people out there. And that's like, these are the people that are making shit happen. It's really like, if they're not making shit happen, then it's probably because they've been conditioned not to, and it's making them very, it's not working well for their bodies. So Mary's a generator. Tell us about your experience as a generator and what, what you think we should know. (laughs) The common thing that's said about generators and that will always be said about generators is they work so hard. Um, So from the time I was a small child, I've been a hard worker. And so I felt like, God, I'm I'm part of the 70%. Like, I really thought I was a one percenter. This is some bullshit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, truly, I'm not even kidding. Like, that's really the way I felt at first when I read this. But a lot of it makes sense, um, especially based on energy. Like, um, I have a hard time with other people for the exact opposite reason that Mary Rose does. So like, I have always been like, what the fuck? Why can't you work as hard as me? Like, I don't understand. Like, and so that was kind of an eye opener for me. Now I worked in, and I, and I wonder like you and I, because we work so closely together Mm -hmm. and we both work just as hard. You know what I mean? And, and so it's so weird for me to think of you as a projector, but now I understand now the energies have shifted and we're not in that same environment. Um, because I would have, I would have said you're a goddamn hard worker because I think that you are. Um, 
but you conditioned. were getting- I was, I was very well conditioned. Correct. And, but you and- were also in an environment to use your brain. And because mm-hmm. you were constantly asked for information, constantly, 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 constantly. Every phone that- call is an invitation. Every, Every phone call is an invitation. And besides that, you had other people within the organization calling you and asking for your information. Being recognized. Recognition was so, all. I'm just saying that that's that was that was a place where you were you were a hard worker because it opened up that piece of you, and mm-hmm. that that really makes complete sense to me right now. It just that totally makes big, sense to me. Now. Yeah, that's a big aha too. Good job. I, right. never called, <laughs> I never would have called you lazy, like not in a million years. And so when you came to when you came to that realization, you started talking about how that you felt like that your whole life. I was like, that doesn't even make sense to me. But now I understand this other piece of it. And, and my voracious reading is also, I think, Oops. a lot of my projectorness is because yep. we are naturally like supposed to master systems. And so it's yep. like all of the reading that I do is really like part of that mastery. And so yep. I don't know, it's, it's really, it's interesting. So, but yeah, you were, you've always been a hard worker and that's like, your energy also feeds people like projectors. Like we don't make our own energy. So I also kind of dipped in and borrowed energy from people because I had constant access to a ton of generators. (laughs) You did, you did. So the other thing that resonates with me as being a a peer generator is that um, we work in gradual phases, which is strange to me, but it's like uh, climbing a mountain. Um, like there's, there's phases of things that we go through. And, um, so it's not all at once. It doesn't, I mean, we're, we're hard workers, we're hustlers, but we also have to have patience to be able to see or turn around and reflect on what has happened because we're too busy in the moment to actually feel that. And it's not happening instantly. Um, so I want to read just a little bit from this basic, um, article the human design.net um if they don't okay where was i at until they reach a plateau when nothing seems to be happening so this is the phases i'm talking about working in phases um so climbing a mountain going up these uh things are moving on until they reach a plateau where nothing seems to be happening if they didn't begin whatever they are doing out of the response this moment This is the moment when they feel stuck or trapped. However, if they entered into this correctly, eventually an impulse will come from the outside and they will resume their work and start climbing again. So I thought that that was really interesting um, because it it has to do with um, like how we do feel stuck. And I, I find myself in in my my other business life where i'm i'm wading through waves of, of of paperwork and things that i i would like to change i actually have to wade all the way in feel it all before i can and it comes to me or sometimes i have to bring in my projector to have it come to me of, of how then i can make things flow easier and then move on with the work and move on to that next level so Anyway, I just thought that that was interesting. Um, And then I thought this was an interesting one too, which I have not been following is that if you're a generator, it's healthy for you to 
only go to bed when you are exhausted. If you haven't used up your energy, you will have a problem falling asleep and you will not wake up refreshed the next day. So that's one of those weird things that someone would, could be like, I've even told this to my daughter because my daughter is also a pure generator as well. And, you know, she's just, she's a teenager who wants to just basically like lay like a lump all the time. And luckily she does have to go to PE. She is, you know, going to school and she has PE every other day. So I'm, but that is the thing is like, understanding that 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 physical activity every single day and she walks to and from school I don't think that that's like a huge amount of physical excursion but she's also a teenager so she's exhausted <laughs> all the all time living is exhausting you'd think every teenager has mono in my opinion because of how much they want to sleep um I swear to god it's just them growing it's them getting that frontal lobe and, and all those hormones raging through their system yeah. and they yeah. have to sleep. She could be, and that's the thing. It's like, it could be worse. She could be staying awake all the time that she's sleeping and not instead of doing the sleeping, like I'd rather her be sleeping. Yeah. Um, so I have a generator daughter and, um, and with, I think that the whole thing about the responding, like the strategy for each each type, which we've kind of talked about at the time that we've talked about each type. So I don't think we have to go back and like go over each strategy in detail, but like the generator strategy is to respond. And that I think is really kind of, um, it's been the hardest thing for me to grasp because of course my strategy is supposed to be to wait to be invited. So of course I'm always like, I, I've now come to the realization I need to make sure I understand like what an invitation really looks like because I think I've been obtuse to some of them but um what for for you what does the what does that um strategy look like in how are so rather than initiating what is responding and how how does that look so um <laughs> sometimes it looks really bad <laughs> um I feel like as a responder, sometimes I overwhelm people, especially if they're not a generator, um, because I, I do respond fairly immediately, um, especially if I'm listening to my, my gut and things that are going on. And there are times where I definitely should not be responding and I should be sleeping on it. And I think that that's been an interesting piece relearning this because I feel like pieces of this since EBMS have done a lot of self reflection self what, what do we call it self-help I don't know um personal development personal development thank you for the professional term um but I think EBMS turned us really onto that so I feel like pieces of this um have been taught to me in different formats does that make sense do you feel yeah. that from like um oh yeah I feel like we've got very actualized by an employer to, to mm -hmm. understand ourselves and um resp self-responsibility I think that a lot of this what I like about human design versus astrology going back to that question is that this puts the responsibility on the person to figure out how it personally works for them instead of giving them a cop-out for why they feel a certain right. way. That yeah, is a absolutely. significant difference. Yeah. 
Um, so we've talked a little bit about all those. And so like the last thing I want to talk about, because God, I think that we'll have to make this like a two-parter for even most of the other (laughs) is to talk about the one thing that we have in common, um, which is our authority, which we've talked a little bit about that, which when Mary mentioned the emotional wave earlier, um, that we both have what's called emotional authority. And so each, you can be a type. And some of the types have a certain authority attached to them that only they have access to. Um, but it's, but our types are, are, you know, that type and our authority are two different things. So our type is, you know, whether we're a projector or a generator or a manifesting generator, which we didn't really talk about the manifesting generators. Let me just tell you guys, you're a complicated group of people you have um, a lot going on. A lot of you probably, and I don't want to say this in a mean way, but a lot of you may have some type of ADHD diagnosis. And um, this might really make a lot of sense when we talk about manifesting generators. Let's just say that the next episode will start with manifesting generators. We'll just make it like a whole big thing because they kind of, neither one of us are them, but we know so many of them that we almost feel like we have to just like talk about them by themselves. Um, But like knowing your type and then knowing the strategy are the two most important things I think for any person to really start their human design journey. So for authority and emotional authority, that is part of, it just means I think we have a defined solar plexus and that that is where our decision-making needs to happen. So tell us about what emotional authority decision-making looks like for you specifically. And then I'll talk about mine. And while you're talking, (laughs) pouring myself. Okay. I, well, I was, I, I was, you asked the question in a different form than I was thinking about. So. Okay. Well you actually, what, what form were you thinking about? Well, I mean, I was, I was again, going back to this, this article that I love so much um, at the basic one. Um, I thought that this was an interesting, it, it says, ask yourself from time to time, am I still avoiding confrontation and truth and potential wisdom of the open solar plexus? I can experience the full spectrum of emotions and survive. I feel like that's, so talking about that wave, so the, the, the wave of emotions and, and feeling the whole spectrum of them kind of before, especially a major decision um, to make, make sure. From and what I, you read, I got from that because of that avoidance, because I told you, we talked about this yesterday, like I'm very non-confrontational, but when I stopped worrying about how I would, how I guess someone would view me in a confrontation and started thinking about what the intention behind whatever that, whatever conversation needed to happen, whatever tough conversation needs to happen, that no matter what, if I'm speaking from a place of truth and love and intention and not from anger that those are the, usually the confrontations that when they happen they usually lead to some kind of pivotal transformative moment um, that for me is what emotional authority because you're very much because we both have this I feel like you're very much a you rush in and I am so much of a I pull away completely and to the point of just avoiding it entirely like there's <laughs> 
flight, fight or flight in the emotional uh, authority and that we're usually leaning towards one or the other as our initial response out of discomfort. And when you're discomfort, mm-hmm. you have tend- conditioning again, like you yeah. talk about conditioning. I go on the defensive conditioned to be on the defensive. I was conditioned to defend myself again from the time I was a very small child because I was raised by somebody who I didn't agree with. Gosh, from the time that I can remember, from the time I can remember making my own decisions, I didn't agree with with my father. And so I feel like my whole life, I've been defending myself. And until I got to read some of this, at, you know, do more research on myself and I, I, and start to apply that. Like, because I ride, I also ride an emotional wave that that defensiveness comes off as different things, depending on where I am on that wave. Uh-huh. So I have to come back to that. Am I coming at this from the truth or am I speaking on emotion right now? Uh-huh. And that's been a hard thing for me to stop and think about. And sometimes my brain doesn't even allow that possibility because of the conditioning of being defensive and defending. And I've had to also for myself, remember that my emotions are not factual. I mean, they are factual to me, but they are not factual to anyone else. (laughs) And that that is, I think the biggest thing and, and really approaching, like having lived with a husband that we are exact opposites for this long is like, I've now found in, I will say like human design was a piece of this, but a lot of it also, I think tied into um, quitting drinking was really when I started being able to come at things from what I felt like was a more level place. Like it wasn't from the high or the low, but really much more of a level headed place. And the but I would still, I still feel very emotional in those moments. So I still, when we're having tough conversations, as I still do things like cry and get very emotional in them. But I also identify that everything I'm expressing is just my perception. I, I realize that it is not necessarily true or factual. It is only a representation of how I feel and that, that, you know, I can give my feelings, own, I can own them, but they don't necessarily have to own me. I feel like that's I, what the emotional wave is, is that we I, own our emotions, but our emotions don't have to own us. And, and I love that. So reading again from this basic, I, I didn't realize until today that this is where we were the same. And now uh, another couple of things make more sense, but um, the solar plexus center. So um you're open to the emotions of others as you take them in and feel twice as strong. Mm-hmm. So if this someone's le- excited, we amplify yeah, it. Exactly. Someone- this leads to strategy of avoiding complex and unpleasant truths, living a secret life. Um, it's best to avoid all emotional decisions. So I just thought that that was really interesting only because you were talking about watching a movie with your daughter or somebody the other night and just like openly ugly face crying and I was like that's me I I I do this all the time and so that's the other thing that that when I'm taking in people's energy I'm also taking in those emotions whether they're good or bad so when somebody's excited I'm so excited for them but when did did you just say that it doubles it because I'm feeling like that like that we double so we double all of our so that's why I feel like we, when we feel joy, I feel like lots of joy. And that's where uh-huh. I feel like drinking 
quitting drinking has helped tremendously is that when I feel joy, I can feel all of it now. And that was something I didn't realize for so long. So like, even though it wasn't part of my experiment knowingly in human design, like quitting drinking probably was the closest thing to getting myself an alignment adjustment towards being a human design type that really felt and used those, those feelings properly, like joy, sadness, all of the things, but yeah, we can create almost a combustion chamber of mm-hmm. emotions, things because you know, when it's, when you're set and that's like a powder, alcohol was a powder keg. Like if I was, Oh God, so bad. <laughs> yeah. So we'd be around people and we'd be feeling joy and then we'd put alcohol on top of it. And it was like lighting a match. So, I mean, all of those things, like that's kind of alcohol was like a lighting a match and a combustion changer of any emotion that I was having as an emotional authority. Boom. Light bulb moment right there. Well, and I, I, I feel like I really have to watch just an an instant I went through yesterday. I had a very intense phone call um, trying to figure out a, a situation and my, my blood got boiled. I, I do get triggered sometimes easily. I, I kept myself at a professional level, but I knew I was writing that emotion coming into walking into the next room and, and having to train somebody who's going to ask me a question who just screwed something up, maybe mm-hmm. two things while I was on that phone call. So like, I really tried consciously to not then just fully blast out the the energy that I just pulled off of that phone call directly into my employee. I don't know how good I did because I didn't have any time to transition seconds. Um, and, and I did tell her later on, like, you know, if I came off a little strong, it was that phone call. It wasn't you, you yeah. know? And she's like, oh no, I think you and I are a lot the same in that way. And I was like, okay, okay. So she understood but some people wouldn't have seen that or wouldn't have understood that or took that into perspective because they are a trainee, they are a new employee. But And and I also point out this because every slight, every piece of bitterness that I've ever felt from, from things, I do amplify those as well. And uh-huh. that also, that's, a, that's, I think, a really big, interesting piece is like when you feel like you've been ignored or slighted by someone and and waiting for the invitation when people aren't inviting you. Oh yeah. Like you've, I've now found that I just, I have to keep myself very busy and do things I really love to do because I'm not getting invited places the way that I feel like I should be for being the amazing light and guide and lighthouse that I can be to people because I feel like I'm being wasted, but rather than feeling bitter about all of that, I, I pour it into the things that I am being invited to. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I've always been known to like carry those quiet grudges or feel like somebody has done something very personal to me when they're like, I wasn't thinking about you at all. And I, <laughs> that's part of adulthood too. That's just part of getting mature and growing up. But it's always been that way, even from like being a child to wanting approval from people and never really feeling like you were getting that kind of approval or any of that. Well, it's- I think that that's the fun part of human design is it feels like all of these lifetime puzzle pieces I'm now able to kind of put together and go, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I can either learn from it, good or bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like uh, (laughs) the living the secret life, I think that, I think that it's very important. And I know that that's part of just growing up, like you said, but like, it's not always about me, but as an emotional authority, 
it feels everything feels personal. We do. Everything feels personal because you're picking up those other people's emotions too. Yeah. So even if that emotion isn't about you, they're feeling it and you're pulling it in. Therefore, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that I tried to kind of explain this to Josh the other day because um, I got offended of something he said about work and, and it, it didn't have anything to do with me, but his emotion while he was expressing it to me is exactly what I pulled off of. It had mm. nothing to do with his words. Yeah, exactly. So it could be irritation. It's something completely different, but you are getting irritation in it. And this is the thing. Yeah. I'm living also with a, with a husband who all of our, I guess, biggest arguments have to do with how he interprets a tone or how I interpret a tone or how he says something like the other day he said, um, Oh, it was just something dumb. But I I just basically, I had to repeat back to him exactly what he said a couple of times and say, okay, so just this, this part of this, where you said this part, that's the part that came off as telling me, um, like anyways long story short it's always like this constant like having to recommunicate and recommunicate and recommunicate because I have to keep filtering it through this is I can't filter this through my emotions what does this mean did you did you mean it this way or did you am I just reading it this way because I'm crazy like that's a lot of our conversation is did oh, you mean or um <laughs> Or, you know, how did you mean this? Because most of the time, yeah, we, we are reading into things so much more deeply than they are most of the mm-hmm. time, our partners, all of the time, all yeah. of the time. <laughs> and therefore our emotional authority then amplifies that doubt too, like the doubt in what they're saying or how they're saying it. Anyways, yeah. we could go on about this for approximately seven hours. But we will wrap it up for now and get this kind of rolling so that our next episode, then we'll talk about human design and we'll talk about how we've incorporated human design into like business and business decisions, because we really, of course, this podcast being about business is that, you know, human design is for so many things, but like how it can really help a holistically, uh, you know, change your life and in part of that being change your business. Um, and I'll also talk about human design and family dynamics um, on one of our, maybe not the next one, but then the following podcast af- after that is, I think we could talk about, we could do your girls' charts and Trevor's charts. No, I, I, I already have a list. I'm doing all of them. <laughs> yes. And so that uh, the family dynamic is also really cool. And so I think that that would be a fun one to talk about in a future episode as well. Well, and let's not forget that we're whole people. So our family life affects our business decisions oh, yeah. every single day. And actually most of our why and drive is going to come directly from that family life. So yep. I don't know. I feel like, again, our, our approach is holistic. Our approach is not one approach to business. It's all approaches. Absolutely. To business, so. Absolutely. And the more that we talk about how we interact between our different types, I think it'll also be really helpful in just kind of understanding um, the dynamics of whether it's our partners, our business partners, our children, um, you know, just anything. It's kind of like, I guess the one thing that I will say that kind of makes it similar to astrology is that when you know what you are, you find like a community uh, of people and then you can kind of I think that when we started talking to people and finding more about human design, it was kind of like finding like a little 
club that everybody gets to be a member and you don't even have to only be a member of your own club. Like I actually on Facebook, I'm part of a projectors group and I actually joined a manifesting generators group because I want to be able to kind of see what people ask and what they learn in both places, because those are, I think the the areas that I want to, I want to get better and learn more about. Awesome. All right. Well, any final words, parting words before we sign off? No, I, I'm, I think we covered a lot of things. We will get started again next week on this amazing subject. So I'm excited. And now we'll have to start our notes. <laughs> start, start on <laughs> notes for next week. All yep. right. Well, may your days be days merry be and bright. bright. Merry and bright. And I was going to say it backwards. <laughs> bright and merry. Bye.